It's really movie boys, especially against living things. <laughs> what is that from? <laughs> the first or... Resident Evil game. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. Barry Burton has um um. Oh, he gives her the the acid grenades, I believe, to Jill Valentine, uh. and he tells them that that these grenades grenades. Grenades are really powerful, especially against living things. Especially against which I'm guessing this it's supposed to be like as opposed to undead things. Use it for the monsters more than you'd use it for the zombies. But that's not how it came out. Um, It's a classic line. Everyone loves it. Welcome to the spin-off doctors. I'm Jim Sterling, and. Who's this? Who's this boy here who's wandered in off the streets? Why, it's Conrad Zimmerman. Hello. Been... Hello. You've been working hard. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm developing ulcers and starting to name them. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you're actually... Um, fuck it. I've, this is sh- a bit of shameless promotion. But I guess, I guess, it, I guess I'm, that I'm would be. giving a friend a leg up, right? I'm not... I'm not sponsored or being asked to do it. Not at all. So, don't say it like that, because then it sounds like I am. <laughs> that sounded sarcastic. No, that was like not. my disclosure about the PSVR. Like Laura pointed out it sounded like I stole it. I can't help it. Everything I say sounds sarcastic. I know. I know. It's funny when I said, because I talked about this on Podquisition, I was like, um, when we were talking once about advertising, potentially, on other podcasts we did, and I was like, I can't do the like any adverts like like the brothers do on my brother, my brother and me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that because it would sound too sarcastic and offensive to advertisers. Conrad's got to do it, and then I just realised like it wouldn't be much better. No, it would not. You just sound like like vaguely detesting <laughs> everything as well. Um, but anyway, anyway, all of this bollocks is to say that Conrad is now kind of like a. a a game person who yeah, kind of. done a game. Yeah. 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 Kind of. yeah. Quite, quite an interesting property as well. Um, I find it funny because like, as I'm talking right now, there is a product from this company, like actually two of them, like directly next to me on my desk. Um, I've been a patron of sideshow, not, not patron as in a Patreon sense. If they had a Patreon, that'd be fucking cheeky. Um, <laughs> I've been a, a customer of Sideshow Collectibles for quite a few years, and I was highly amused when Conrad said he's actually doing a, a Sideshow Collectibles game, yeah, which is based on one of their original properties, yeah. uh, which I don't have any merchandise for because I'll spend, I'll spend, I'll spend happily up to a thousand bucks for the right alien statue. Mm-hmm. I'm not spending five hundred for something they made up. Um, but it is very popular, and the d- the designs are fantastic. The um, designs are ridiculous, yeah. and they've got some it, stuff that they're showing off at Comic Con this week that's just like mind blowing. The like, only thing I care about Comic Con wise is getting them mini bog lens. Uh, they got do, do, they are they there? They got brand new mini bog lens, and they're selling them at Comic Con. And anything that isn't dude, sold will be sold on their website. And wh- I'm like, mm? all you had to do was ask. Oh shit! You're there, aren't you? I yeah. didn't even know that. I've, All you had to do is I ask. know several people are going, and I'm like just like trying to get blanket because I don't know. Boglin like, Watch sell 2016. Out. I, I'm your man. 
boom, boom. All right. Um, yeah, like that'd be fantastic. Like I'm trying to get there's there's a set of four that they've brought out. One of them glows in the dark. One of them's wearing a pumpkin on his head. So I'm sold. But back to but um, yeah. So it's but yes, it's it's sideshow's uh, first original property. It's it's called Court of the Dead, and it's this whole you know afterlife uh, exp, you know RPG collectible thing that that we're doing. It's it's really kind of interesting. It's got this cool combat system that's strategic based and very uh rooted in your you know determining positioning and and so there's a good game in there that's going to pair well with a pvp and a single player mode and a whole ton of quests and they've got this just this vast like ridiculously vast lore that they've produced for it they have this book called uh the chronicle of the underworld and it's like i don't know like 150 pages and there's these, these full color gorgeous art and you know that, that dominates a lot of it there's still a ton of text and it's not like just like here's some cool statues. It's like there's a war going on, and here's all of these places that you know, like they're just making statues, right? That's yeah. that's what they're doing. They're making statues, but they have now built a world that these statues exist in, and it seems almost a waste that they're never going to build that physically, in yeah. a way. Well, the, the way you described it to me, it it reminded me of like, like it made me think that someone at that company, like this is their baby. It is. Like, yeah. you know, the company is like, okay, we've got statues of, of like, Grim Reaper-looking things and skeletons and all these, like, intricate corpses of statues. They do look cool. Like I said, I I can't justify sp- spending the money on it because it, it the original stuff I'm not there for. Right? Yeah, They're exactly. Stormtroopers and Xenomorphs. Yeah. Um, it does look good, but it, it, it does strike me that there's just one dude in that company who's like, no, this is... Oh, this is my baby. I stayed up until 2 a.m. for a month writing the timeline of this world. It's, it's, I mean, it's more than one guy. And, and Sideshow is, like, I mean, they're pretty committed to it. Like, the amount and breadth and stuff that they're doing for it is, so, yeah. you know, it's, but it's, yeah, there's, this is definitely out of the mind of a dude. Um, and it definitely has that feel. And it's, but it's not crazy dude necessary like there's some cohesion to it and it it's complicated but it's interesting and it's it's something that i think is going to be fun to explore and expand because we're going to be creating all sorts of new content for it and entering they're doing comics and they're really trying to push this uh this property out now that they've had it for a couple of years and it's been developing so uh the game's looking good we're showing it at comic-con by the time people hear this uh that will have passed already but i think we're going to be able to show off the demo in some places uh, not too far off. And you can check out the Kickstarter. It's uh, uh, The game's called Court of the Dead Underworld Rising. You can go direct to the Kickstarter from underworldrising.com. So there you go. Maybe, maybe check it out. It's it's a thing. We, uh, we're, the, the, com- the campaign's ever-changing, so come look at it. It's fun stuff. But we there should... We go. We should talk about yeah, Resident well, Evil. First of all, just, just in, in, in um, the interest of ethical disclosure, I just want people to, to know that I know Conrad. <laughs> it's true. I don't he want does. people under any impression that, that you know, this I've is, just met him. Yeah, this is not a, a chance encounter. Yeah, so I know him, and I am literally giving a friend an opportunity to talk about a project he's working on. That's literally what's happening here. So that's on the table. There we go. <laughs> Disclosures. I love them. Uh, right. Welcome to the Spin-Off Doctors. 
We're we are Conrad and Jim, the movie boys. Uh, this week, we're doing... It's all Halloween-themed horror-themed episodes this month, which means we've got two episodes because <laughs> it's, it's a fortnightly show. So what better way to do it than to get two games from the pillars of survival horror. So and, and, got... and to get another Resident Evil movie out of the way. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, even without the Mila Jovovich ones... There are still other Resident Evil movies we've got to do. And if you think... If you think any of the live-action Resident Evil movies are bad, you haven't seen Resident Evil Degeneration. Which is a a fitting word for it. I started watching it briefly, not long ago, and I was was stunned. I mean, stunned. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's rough. Um... Yeah, me and my wife, for some reason, put it on once. Um, because, like, she, she, likes, she, she likes Resident Evil Apocalypse, which is yeah. fair enough. I mean, yeah, I think we said that it was a, it was a, it's a right. good switch-your-brain-off film. Yep. You know, it's not like she's, she thinks it's high art. It's, it's a good time waster. Exactly. Um, yeah. And we thought, well, shit, let's, let's throw on one of these CGI ones and see if that's any good. Oh, God. Um, but we, we'll talk about that when we eventually get there. And I... I really would like as much distance between now and then <laughs> as ever could possibly be raw. But yeah, we're doing Resident Evil this episode. will be the next Silent Hill film next episode. But right now, it's Resident Evil Extinction, which is the third one in the series. The third one. We've already done two. I really uh, wish I... they'd included numbers to make this easier. It would be easier. Like, I was double-checking on my phone, like, am I buying the right one? And it didn't help with the way this movie started. Yes. I was like, oh shit, have I just gone and bought the wrong one? Yeah. Um, But again, we will get to that. But first of all, before we do anything, because we don't really need to do too much more preamble than this. Um, So we'll go straight on to the plot. But I just want to say right now, I have no Amazon-based fact of the day this episode. (gasps) I could not be bothered to sit at the computer and... Watch it. I've been editing a, a video review for the PlayStation VR. Uh, I've been working on a Gears of War 4 review. I've been working just at the computer. You're a busy day. man. Yeah, I did not want to sit at my desk a moment longer, so I watched it on the TV in the main room. Um, just watched it on Amazon Video there, and there's no Amazon X-Ray feature there because I can't mouse over my TV. I mean, I could, but it wouldn't do anything. Um, however... However, I did some reading online, Mm. and instead, I have seven facts about the series as a whole, which I got from moviepilot.com. So throughout this, throughout this rundown, I will be providing um, facts from an article called Even Serious Resident Evil Fans May Not Know Some of These Seven Facts About the Movies. So that's oh, going to be go. exciting. Yeah. That's, that's okay. going to be exciting. So we've got that to look forward to, fucking hell, uh, to look forward to as we talk about Resident Evil Extinction, which I'm laughing at just imagining how Conrad managed to get more than a paragraph out of the plot of this one. Hmm. Suffice to say, it's not as good as Apocalypse. And from what little bits I've seen of the one that follows Extinction, it's not as good as that as the next one either. That's I a comfort. Thought, 
I thought Extinction was the one I'd seen bits of. The one that actually has, like, enemies from Resident Evil 4 and 5 in it. And mm-hmm. a really good Wesker. Whereas this one has none of that. It has car mechanic zombies as their big fucking twist. <laughs> and... And shit Wesker, who's worse than the Wesker from the first Resident Evil game on the PlayStation 1. Um, But we'll get to that right now. (laughs) The movie begins with two minutes of footage lifted directly out of the first Resident Evil movie. Is it the actual footage? It is it. I put it side by side comparison. It is the same footage. They may have they may have recolored it a bit. See, I when I first put the film on, I worried that I had bought the wrong one. I thought I, I, I mentioned thought many people might have. Yeah, I, I had to like just just press a random button on my TV remote just to have the pop up come up and confirm this was extinction. And then I thought to myself, if they reshot this <laughs> and made it look that good. That would have been really clever. impressive, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would have been impressive, but that's not what they that did. That is not what they did. Um and in it so it's it's basically two minutes of footage, which uh Jesus. if you start at eight thirty roughly, uh well, like eight twenty five when watching the original Resident Evil when you pause and then you start up extinction. And as soon as the movie hits start, you press play on the other one, it more or less syncs up for the first 45 seconds. Jesus Christ. Um, it's, it's like Dark Side of the Moon and The Wizard of Oz, except, <laughs> except lazy the... and shit and not interesting. Well, it's like The Wizard of Oz and The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yes. yes uh, that's, 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 that's identical to what this is, rather than me just trying to... <laughs> They do the whole dark side of the moon. They do chop it down in in bits, but it it follows Mm -hmm. all the same sequences from uh, the point at which Alice wakes up in the marble shower, checks herself out in the mirror, puts on a robe, then finds and puts on a dress, and she doesn't look at guns and stuff, you know. And the mirror looking takes less time, so they do trim it back. Uh, She then wanders down a hall and hears a noise, and this is the part at which uh, it changes, you know, where you this sort of like sense of and. I think that this doing this plays in well with what they've established as the filmmaking tropes that Resident Evil as a film series employs. Mm-hmm. That whole, what's going on? Is this the beginning of the film or is this the beginning of the film? Nobody knows when the film begins. The film could have five beginnings. You don't know. Um, but that's, it, it feels very much like that. Yeah, they try. Um, they they often try and go for this disjointed, almost dreamlike flavor to the films. They try to do yeah. They try to pull a phantasm, and nobody does a phantasm like phantasm does. That's why it's called phantasm. That's right. And the new phantasm's out, and it's pretty good. So you should go watch it. So you're talking about that on Twitter. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, no, so she hears a noise and moves towards a, a door where she thought she heard the noise, and it opens to the laser trap hall from the first movie. So Remember now that? now they're reusing just elements. <laughs> but this is new footage, it's at new least, footage. at this point. But they, they, they kind of, throughout this film, they treat the laser wall like they treat the reverse bear trap from Saw. They're like, this is the iconic yeah. thing of Resident This is what Resident Evil has always been about. 
is this laser hole? Is this thing that wasn't in any of the games in the first place? And I mean, yeah. if you were gonna pick something, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have done the red queen, white queen thing? They never. They. They never. Adequately introduce the white queen. No, she's just there, and you're like, "What the fuck is that?" And then they kind of explain. But there's a lot of things about this movie where you really need to have seen the first two. Oh I yeah, think. yeah. This they don't make a lot of uh, accommodations for people who are just coming to it and uh, thir the third film in, which is no. okay, uh, I suppose. Um, but I suspect you'd be I confusing mean, you, you as deserve... fuck to. Like, you know, if a better you... film could command that sort of commitment from an audience. This doesn't deserve to say you have to watch it from the beginning. Ex well, yes, that that is a absolutely true. And B, I just I feel bad for all of those people who like came to watch this movie on a date with someone who actually liked these movies mm. and, and had <laughs> had no idea what was going on. I foresee yeah. that just being a horrible experience. Uh. <laughs> But so yeah, the the door she wanders into the laser trap hall and has a flashback of all the people who died in there in the first movie, which was most of the cast from the first one before right. zombies showed up. For fuck's sake! And then the door closes, and a single laser moves down the hall, which she avoids by hanging from the top of the room. But a bit of her, her dress gets cut off. This is a little, and it looks like a rose petal falling. It's it doesn't. Of, it looks like shit CGI. <laughs> Alright, it looks like a shit CGI rose petal falling to the ground. So symbolism, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the laser does the whole grid version yeah. where there's no escaping it. And Alice jumps up again into a vent, but this time, you know, the sole of her boot gets cut off a bit. Yeah. Why does a shitty zombie film based on a, a, a camp B-movie style video game series have so much symbolism in it? Like it's a fucking David Lynch piece. I don't know. And it, I never understood. It, it does it. not. It does not make a lot of sense. Um, and and this but, was yeah. this one was directed by uh, Russell Mulcahy, mm -hmm. which actually kind of to some extent explains why it's crap. Gotcha. Well, it was actually it was written by um, Anderson, who's still in it. Which reminds me, seven things you didn't know about the Resident Evil films. Mila Jovovich and Paul W.S. Anderson almost never met. These two may have never crossed paths if the original choice to play Alice, Gwyneth Paltrow, had taken the role. Cupid had other plans, and Jovovich took the role and made it iconic over the span of the series. Well, I'll put it to you this way. The reason why, now knowing that Russell Mulcahy directed this, and I don't know how mm -hmm. I missed that in watching the credits, explains everything, is that the, the best thing Russell Mulcahy ever did, I'm pretty sure, was Highlander. Right. That's the bar. Good film. Good film. It's, it's all right. It's got its pluses and minuses. Yeah, I apologize for yawning in the mic, everyone. Oh, no, no. You, you, oh, no, you should be bored. That's appropriate. <laughs> uh, moving through the ventilation system, she drops into a new room, which is the Raccoon City Hospital Corridors, which is yeah. disjointed and dreamlike. Peering around a corridor and down a hall, she observes a security camera and a gurney. And she it's decides, disjointed and dreamlike and also lazy. Incredibly lazy. <laughs> 
she decides to push this Gertie as she runs down the hall, and suddenly a, gu a guillotine-like blade the width of the hallway slices through the Gertie and freaks Alice out. And, I mean, that happens in every hospital I've ever been in. Oh, yeah. Every hospital I've seen has that kind of security feature. Yeah, little fact you don't know about doctors in general, they hate gurneys. Like, the, the gurney is the natural enemy of the doctor, which is their cruel, ironic fate that they would be so intertwined in their, like, respective careers. Regaining her composure, Alice begins to move slowly down the hall again but steps on something near the next intersection that makes a clicking sound, and a disc flies up from the middle of an umbrella logo in the floor, spraying bullets, with Alice taking several in the gut. Uh, a group of dudes in umbrella hazmat suits led by Dr. Isaacs from the last movie approaches yep. the now-dead Alice. Jorah Mormont from Game of Thrones. Got to just obligatory point that out again. Mm-hmm. Don't know who that is. Um, don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Isaacs tells him to collect a sample of her blood and get rid of her and we cut to a sun-bleached wooden shack house thing? I, I, I don't know but it Yeah, has it's a, kind of like a little desert shack It's got a common table in this big open room that splits in two revealing a secret elevator shaft and the hazmat dudes emerge because, you know, this is one of those super practical umbrella facilities I'm yeah. glad we're going back to that that's that. That's important to me, because we didn't have any of that in the second movie. No, that that was all in the city. This one, we 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 have another ridiculous subterranean lair for Umbrella. And the uh, the hazmat dudes come out and carry Alice's body outside to be dumped into like a drainage pit, which is the camera slowly pulls back to reveal has at least, and I counted, over forty five other Alices in it. Oh, it's a lot of Alice's. It's a lot of Alice's. And the camera keeps pulling back even further to show a fenced uh, area, and there's a holy shit zombie jump scare. I bet you were scared. You were scared, weren't you? I shit myself, literally. Seemingly hundreds of zombies are gathered around it, with more coming in from distances far and wide. Yeah, basically, and this, is the, this would be the first of several references to... Um, Romero in this film. And by references, I mean just rote copying. Um, they, the, the facility is an underground base with a vast expanse of, of nothing and fencing going around the topside area of the base, surrounded by zombies. It's basically the military facility from uh, Romero's Day of the Dead, which, incidentally, is the best of the dead film. Yeah, the only real difference between them is that, A, this is a crappier movie, mm -hmm. um, and B, in Day of the Dead, it's a more um, jungle Yeah, yeah, it's um, a lot of grass it's on like the a, ground. It's like a jungle to... island that they're on yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah, this is the desert, so that's, that's the twist. That's the key the... difference, yeah. And, that's, uh, that's how they subvert our expectations. I'm like, oh, I was expecting jungle. This is desert. They're geniuses. And, and, and here, you know, let's, let's get our prescribed dose of voiceover expedition, exposition out of the way. Yes, definitely. Alice tells us that Umbrella did not contain the, the T-virus. Kind of no really? shit. <laughs> I, they seemed so competent from their behavior in the last films. And it spread worldwide within months. 
and it also apparently made as ev- did deserts. Yeah, it also made everything a desert. <laughs> Every, like, like, like you've, I've got to like, like. Yes, please this. describe the visual. It's it's Mad Max. It is uh, Mad if, Max. If you've seen any, well, not any Mad Max, because like even the first Mad Max, as campy and B movie as it is, understood. The months after an apocalypse, most of the shit will still be around. Yeah, there'll still be a society in place to some extent, even if yeah. it's broken down. There will be vestiges. But first, uh, there are other points as well, right? Second of all, Road Warrior, which is a lot more just desert, desert, and uh, uh, Thunderdome and Fury Road as well, um, are a lot more desert, desolate, middle of nowhere. But they are also set in Australia. Which, Which is largely has, yeah, that like now. <laughs> the cities and shit in Australia are sort of on the outskirts and everything. There is a ton of empty desert and shit. And one can imagine that once the people in the world of Mad Max used up all the resources in the city areas, they may have migrated into the desert to look for uh, oil and, and stuff. You know, gasoline being a big um, commodity, as it is famously in the Mad Max canon. So years passing and already uh, an arid desert filled country well and they, yeah they don't they don't uh i don't know do they clearly specify i think it's supposed to be five years later like five In... years after the events of, of apocalypse i think right five years five years that i mean it's still a little ridiculous to well reach. it's a little it's a little ridiculous to the to say it's been five years, and yet France is now indistinguishable from the Mojave, <laughs> save for the fact that a bit of the top of the Eiffel Tower is p- poking out the top of the desert. Like, there's that much sand! Here's the, other, here's the other stupid thing about this, is that it was completely unnecessary for them to make the entire world a desert, because the events of this film fucking take place in Death Valley. So, Death Valley. Why, why was the Eiffel Tower there? Oh, well, it's because it's Las Vegas. It's the Las Vegas Strip. That's where oh, they... It's the Las Vegas Strip. I missed that. I'll be honest, I wasn't paying much attention to the film. Um, so by the time I saw the Eiffel Tower, I thought, oh, they must have just trekked across the desert because there are no oceans now because there's so much desert. They just walked <laughs> to France over the course of five years. Like, I legit... Like, that's how my brain filled in the blanks. Uh. And to be honest... What I just said makes no less sense than that being the New Vegas Strip. Well, yeah, it's but it was it was just it's silly to for them to create this and narrative re- conceit that the whole world is a desert when they were going to set their story in a place that was already a fucking desert to begin with. Even so, five years. I don't think you're going to get so much sand in Las Vegas that because it would have happened already. Like, sand doesn't stop just because people are around. There's only so much a push broom can do. If sand was that aggressive, it would have been buried already, or people would have built a giant wall around Las Vegas to protect it from years and years. Like, La- the, the Las Vegas Strip is older than five years. I know this because it's in Austin Powers, although, International Man of Mystery, although, and that is more than five years old. I should point out, though, that it's, you know, m- parts of it. I mean, they tear shit down and put new stuff up all the time. So there's a lot of the Las Vegas Strip that's probably not older than five years. 
Okay, that's fair enough. But, the, <laughs> but, but yes, I take your point. Basically, what I'm saying is if sand could do the, do what it does in this film, it would have done it already, and it wouldn't have needed zombies to happen. Here's a thought. But instead, we see the top of the Las Vegas Eiffel Tower as if there's so much sand, the, the, the world of Las Vegas is like, you know, several hundred feet below them. Here's a thought. Maybe this is in the same so universe canonically as The Mummy. That would make more sense. And, right. and it shouldn't, but it does. It does, Also, yeah. them just hand-waving it by... I think, it, I think it's Jovovich who's just... The desert took it back. Yes, Fuck they off. do do that, yes. Tell us why. Tell us. It, no, the desert's not sentient. <laughs> you say Imhotep took it back. Well, to, so to survive in this thing, this world, survivors now stay on the move because the zombies are drawn wow. to people and eventually become overwhelming because, you know, you get one, then another, then another, then another, and suddenly there's a whole lot when you stay in one place too long. Yeah. So everybody lives on the move. And Alice pulls into Salt Lake City on her motorcycle, looking like quite the wasteland warrior at this point. I, I will. I like yeah. her costuming in this. She designed it herself. Did she? Yeah, that's actually one fact I knew while I was looking for a list of facts to use. Um, I, I read that she designed her whole basically Mad Max getup herself. It, it is a good costume. It's a good look. I like it a lot. Um... She uh, is, follows this radio distress call to a radio station where a lone woman is cradling a bundle and whining about her baby. But it turns she's out... She's the star of this film. She's my favorite. She's absolutely yeah. my favorite. But You sent me a screen grab last night. I, I, I got onto my computer and just had a message from you that was just a picture of her. <laughs> well, she's, you know, she's this old-ish, but really just rode hard. Deeply, yeah. deeply, like creviced faced woman uh with bad teeth that she's and she's got this smile that's just beyond creepy um yeah i love her she looks like she should like own a diner that truckers go to and the truckers um have a deep respect for her yes 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 i agree yeah like a reverence tinged with fear and when she throws you out like you ain't arguing with missy that's what they call her missy so she's Not screaming. in the film, that's what they'd call her in, in my new movie I'm writing called Missy and the Truckers. But she's cradling this bundle and whining about the baby, and it turns out to be a trap, because the baby's actually a doll, and suddenly Alice is beset upon by all these bandits who seek yeah. to relieve her of her goods, and it might seem her virtue. Yeah, it does look like they're going to try and uh, force themselves on her. With the... the with the woman, like the, the 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 with Missy, I'll call her Missy. Missy's blessing, and she seems to be there. They call her Mama, yeah. They call her Mama, and she seems to enjoy like luring women for her boys to attack, um, and not just rob. I mean, like like assault. Uh, it's a weird setup, but I was watching it and I was thinking, like the interesting thing about this is they've kind of set up this. Um, middle-of-nowhere, redneck-style family, which seems to be the plot of Resident Evil 7. Well, I, it, I've, I just found that an interesting oh, yeah? little... I don't think it's intentional in any way. See, it just it struck I me thought as it was, one uh, interesting thing about the film. I got a, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
Well, th- that's what it. I've been comparing Resident Evil 7 to. Like, mm. Resident Evil 7 seems to be, like, riffing off uh, Texas Chainsaw. So I just found it interesting that the movie did that first. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, they, uh, when one of the bandits, groping her, doesn't acknowledge that no means no, uh, Alice kicks him in the chin, and that kills him instantly. And so the bandits knock her unconscious. When she comes to, she's handcuffed in a pit with uh, a bunch of live wires dangling about. Or I think there's just one live wire, at least in this shot, but later there's an inexplicably large amount of electrical cabling. But we'll get there. Um, The bandits toss her the keys to the cuffs so that she might produce a more entertaining encounter with the zombie dogs they've got penned up down there. Uh, They release the hounds just as Alice gets to her feet and starts running. And the dogs chase her toward a wall, which she runs up and flips up off of, getting her back on the other side of the two dogs, and the hounds just sort of run up the wall, and one of them ends up impaled on in a loose piece of rebar in this act. Yeah. Um, more dogs are released. Alice sets to tying them up with this, like I said, considerable amount of electrical wiring that's down there, hitching them all to a support beam that this stuff is wrapped around. And once she has a bunch of them tied up, she sort of stands there in like a a ready-for-action pose for a while Mm -hmm. until the force of their fighting these bindings proves too much, not for the cables, but for the rusted bolts of the support beam, which they (laughs) cause to give way. And the bandits fall into the pit which conveniently gives Alice a way back up to the higher level that they were staring at her and, and, and laughing at her adventures. Yeah. And so they all get killed, and she gets back her stolen equipment, plus some kukri knives that they'd been threatening her with, and hits the road again. Um, that, whole, that whole section peak of the was movie. to just get her some knives. Yeah, pretty much. But it is the best bit of the film. Elsewhere on the road, a zombie is just sort of eating a guy who, I guess, was siphoning gas out of a car on the side of the road. He's run down by a whole convoy of vehicles, including a school bus, an ambulance, and a tanker. Uh, Claire Redfield is in the lead Hummer thing, and she helpfully calls every significant person in the convoy on the radio looking for experience so that we can see who they are. Um, Mm -hmm. They do include... Uh, LJ and Carlos returning from the previous um, Resident Evil film. And oh, this may actually be proof that this is set in the Mummyverse. Because, because Carlos was in the Mummy. Oh. The actor who plays Carlos was in the Mummy. He played the um, the lead guy of the the guys who are out in the desert who kill anyone who try and unearth Imhotep. Oh, we're going to um, need a whole flowchart. Looks a bit like George Harrison in The Mummy. Um, here he's got his um, face all shaved, no moustache or anything, no beard. Um, but yeah, yeah, this might be... He may have got... like Once the zombies took over, he's like, well, fuck, there's no point guarding this shit. we got to um, put up a murder board. Yeah, everything's mm-hmm. a desert now. I couldn't find the fucking Tomb of Imhotep if I tried. So <laughs> just put on a soldier's outfit and say, yeah, I'm Carlos now, what? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though. Um, seven things you didn't know about the Resident Evil movies. <laughs> Number two. There are several Alice in Wonderland references in the first film. What? Alice... Oh yeah. You, oh yeah. This mean... is this is stuff you definitely did not know about Resident Evil. I did not know that. Yeah, Alice 
obviously has this. I'm, I, I just read these rope, by the oh, way. Oh, no, wait, no, wait. No, hang on, hang uh, on. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean, you mean there's a character with a similar name in Alice in Wonderland? Like a similarly named protagonist? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going to find that out in our top seven facts you may not have known about uh, Alice in Wonderland. But for right now, um, Alice obviously has the same name. But she also travels through the looking glass. All right. There's a red queen who wants someone's head cut off. And there's even a rabbit. And then it, it has in parentheses above. And it's just a screenshot of someone about to inject a rabbit. I mean, it is a white rabbit. Uh, I, I can't fault them on that. I mean, yes, I am absolutely sure that those were all put in there to be intentional nods to Alice in Wonderland. I don't disbelieve that. Yeah. They're dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> it, it's not worth putting in any list unless right. it's a list of dumb attempts at being symbolic. <sighs> back, anyway, back at the rundown shack surrounded by zombies, we get to see a computer graphic illustration illustration showing that yes, this is another incomprehensibly vast underground research facility built by Umbrella, and the board of Umbrella is meeting there, and things are looking dire as various facilities around the world report that their resources are low and zombies are on the rise. And Dr. Isaacs walks into the conference room and gives a report on the zombies that they don't actually need to eat, that they just want to, they persist for decades. But the Alice, promise, the Alice Project is promising, as Isaacs hopes to use her blood to try and reverse the effects of the T-virus and make zombies a domesticated workforce so the Umbrella employees can return to the surface. Yeah. He basically comes in, he presents the findings of Isaacs. <sighs> you son one of the executives expresses some doubts about Isaac's research, which hasn't shown results after months of work. And Isaac says his work would go faster if he had the original Alice and wasn't wasting time working on inferior clones of her. Now, Chairman Wesker thinks this is all swell and directs Isaacs to focus all his efforts in this direction of the research. But yeah, and I just need to point out at this point, if you watched this film in anticipation of this Wesker, show, yes. And... Heard me in an earlier, one of our earlier Resident Evil episodes, hyping up Wesker. This is not the Wesker I'm hyping up. He is recast, kind of in keeping with Capcom tradition. Uh, he is recast in the next film. And that's the Wesker. The Wesker in this one is like someone just pulled a mannequin up off the street. Like, they've just been discarded outside of Macy's. And used, like, like witchcraft. But bad knockoff amateur witchcraft like they got like some teenager to do it to bring it to life and then slapped a blonde wig on it and said you're wesker now he was a poor choice fucking I feel. awful i feel and you know what he does now what's he do now batman he's a batman voice actor for the new 52 uh dc movie reboot things the animated movies that they do is he all right i don't know I just know that he does it. He's also he on. Strike me as an awful actor. No, but he's a terrible Wesker. Actually, he just joined Marvel's Agents of Shield this season, as like the new director of Shield. And yeah, I, I haven't started yeah, watching his mannerisms, it yet. So yeah, I didn't really have much of a problem with his. Well, delivery. he's just, yeah, no, he's, he's not got the voice. Fine. Yeah, but 
he doesn't he looks ridiculous. Yes. And he is all stiff and stunted in his performance. He's probably better as a voice actor than an on-camera actor. Yeah, I think that that's probably the case. And I think that they wanted to make Wesker seem really serious when he's just, he is, but he can't he needs to be camp. Yeah, yeah. He's he He's a super villain. He's not, you know, a badass bad guy. Yeah. He's all complete global saturation. I felt like they were he was trying to play it reserved when he should have hammed it. Yeah, yeah. Like they well, basically he was the no nonsense by the book character compared to Isaac's off the rails um renegade self, like self-interested more more into the research and more into a grand plan which is wesker's whole deal yeah isaacs basically took wesker's whole deal for himself leaving wesker as as nothing he yeah. had nothing he's he's the guy who says no don't do that and gets ignored yeah pretty much basically so uh Anyway, uh, Alice pulls up to a gas station after killing a zombie with a crossbow and then deconstructing the crossbow. Um, but she finds the pumps are empty, pokes around the convenience store and scares herself, knocking over a jar of pennies. And inspecting the fridge, she finds a massive swarm of flies and a corpse hanging inside, along with some kind of journal, which she takes with her. And outside, as she's getting on her bike, she watches a crow eating the eye of the zombie she killed on the way in. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is a key plot point. It's important that they establish this. Uh, looking at the journal, Alice appears to settle on some sort of plan from it, uh, as it suggests that there may be a place in Alaska where there are no zombies. Um, back to the convoy. They come to a stop near a hotel and try to decide whether to search it or not, and thinking it's probably safe, Carlos and LJ head into the lobby to begin a sweep. LJ finds an unlocked hotel room, gets surprised by a highway patrol zombie. Uh, LJ surprises this encounter, takes out the zombie by uh, shooting its knees a few times and then one in the head. And I just realized something. Huh. You bring up LJ, who is a, uh, one of the convoy members. Yeah. I have no... And I'm, you, you, I know you're going to explain it later, but I have currently no recollection of his fight. I know what happens to him in a moment. Yeah. I don't remember how he exits this film. Okay. Or even if he does. So I'm interested to That'll be fun. learn what I missed. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's... He was the comic relief character in the first one. Or in, or in, in the second film, right? Yeah. He was the yeah. one who, you know, like, always had the good fortune and the comic relief lines. And maybe this is, like... Maybe there's been character development... You know, maybe that's what, what's reflected here, but he's not funny. It was all off screen. He's he is, not quippy. Yeah. The, I didn't even realize it was him. Exactly. Or supposed to be him, because it is such a completely different character. And, and, and to be honest, I had everyone that's alive, except for Alice is so forgettable, that I had forgotten about Carlos too. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, until, until the scene when Alice is reunited with, uh, with Carlos later... And they talk like they know each other. And then I remember that he was in the prior film. Uh, what I find funny is that the film's overarching plots require you to watch the other films to get it. But in terms of characters, it treats them so disposably yes. that it has to, like, you have to just assume, oh, she knows him and, and move on. 
Hmm. Yeah. Oh, so, well. all right. Anyway. So the, uh, uh, LG survives this first zombie attack. And uh, he's resting on the bed when he sees another one uh, zombie coming up behind him. But he thinks it's in front of him because he's seeing its reflection in the mirror. So he shoots the mirror and he gets bit. It's another Alice in Wonderland reference. What? His bullet goes through the looking glass. (laughs) Carlos shows up. That wasn't a joke. What I said, that that was just a statement. (laughs) That was just me saying things to speak, to fill the void in my head. And in your soul. Uh, Carlos shows up and kills the zombie that's on LJ. Um, and I guess that's the last one in the hotel because now it's safe and the convoy pulls up and starts stripping it of anything valuable. Uh, Well, little known fact about zombies, there are only ever like two to three in a hotel. Right. They hate hotels. Hate them. They're natural enemy. (laughs) Uh, LJ gets treated for a cut on his head, or on his head, and flirts with Betty the medic, played by Ashanti. Yeah. And and it is and she's the star power outside of outside of Mila Jojo jo, Jovovich jo, Milia Milia Jojo. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, she she is. Although, like a B movie that puts like Donald Pleasance on its cover when he's in the film for five minutes, um, she don't do a, a whole lot. Uh, and also, this scene she's in with LJ is fucking insufferable. Um, because they are constantly flirting back and forth in ways that aren't funny. No. Neither are they titillating, and they're not even really innuendo. It's just like, oh, you know how to take care of me, and sh- and sh- yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it's so awkward. It's awkward, awkward flirting. And when Carlos rolls his eyes and says, "I'm going," I actually they like. Begged at the screen, can we come with you? <laughs> but we can't because we have to. St- we have to stay and watch these two characters, who have no character, flirting in a way that isn't flirting. Well, this was all necessary because we have to stay with LJ long enough for her to leave, so that he can reveal the zombie bite to us, but not to anyone else he in the convoy. Fucking tonight. Yeah, he got bit right on his tito. That's that's a. That was an interesting bite position. Heck of a way to go. Like, it's, it would think it'd be a hard place to get purchase for a bite. Like, wouldn't wouldn't you do shoulder? Wouldn't that be easier to get the bite on? How did they get? Um. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I was bitten by a zombie, it'd make sense. I'd expect you, it. You'd get a... some real purchase on these suckers. <laughs> but him, yeah, yeah. Shoulder would have been way better. Uh, it's just, I mean, I mean, limb, whatever. How did it wind up on the chest? Uh, zombies don't plan these things out. I know, I know. It got lucky. It got lucky. Well, it's, yeah, it's, that's the thing. He got really unlucky because mm-hmm. you, it, it should have just slid right past. Maybe that's the point. Maybe that's like like another bit of symbolism in this film, which of course it's it's one of the most symbolic movie series ever that have ever, ever been created. Yeah. It's to symbolize his how fortunate he was in Apocalypse, how he kept stumbling into good luck, and how now um, the Piper 
of in the age good of extinction. Fortune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Karma's it, come like, back it, around. It's, mm. Yeah, it's time to pay the piper, LJ. You had your good luck, and now we're coming to collect. So, whereas most people would have had the zombie just kind of slide off their tit like the sharks when they try and bite the peach in James and the Giant Peach. Uh, in this, it's like, no, you are one of like the 5% of guys who would be randomly attacked by a zombie and just happen to get like bit right on your titto through your clothes. And it's bad. And no one, no one sees bite marks through the clothes no that's how bad it is as well the clothes are intact the tit is a state right and that's just to show that yeah yeah you you may roll the dice but, but at some time old father bones is gonna come and take his reward you, i tried to make you that will sound crap like out. a you'll crap out yeah, that's where you were going I, I, I tried to make that sound like it could be a motorhead lyric but it didn't come it didn't work at all. Who's Father Bones? I was just thinking of like a skeleton with a jester hat and like cards and dice. You know, they have... And that's just uh, the symbolism uh, of gambling. There's a jester at Court of the Dead, Underworld Rising, now available on Kickstarter for backing. <laughs> is there? I, yeah. like, I love Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, they're, they're, one of their central characters is this undead jester character. He's sort of... Is there a statue? Is there a skeleton jester? They statue? are showing it for the first time at Comic-Con. And I will, I will send you a picture. I'm told it is just obscene. I'm, I, I, I may actually, I, 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 lo I love skeletons, and I like jesters. No, he's not. He's not. He's not a skeletal jester necessarily. Um, I do like that look too. He's a more fleshy jester, but he is a very undeady world kind uh, of jester. I, I'll show I'll you. I'm interested in later. looking at it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll take pictures of the thing and show you. Father Bones, however, yeah, is a skeleton jester, and he is the embodiment of the the real cost of gambling, which is death. Ah, all right. That that that's that's what we've established now. That's in the canon. That, yeah, that's um, it's a property <laughs> I'm working on called Court of the Dead. <laughs> I figured I'd just take their name as well. It's a good name. Yeah. Um, Mine's going to have a lot less zombie-like things and a lot more skeletons. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, back in Umbrellaville, Isaacs attempts to treat a zombie, and the thing recognizes a cell phone and a digital camera. Really impressing is, Isaac's lackey scientists. You know, this is another rip-off of, of Day, Day of the, the Dead. Dead. Yeah, yeah, except no. it was a Walkman. Yeah, well, it updated for the time. Sure. Um, but when a zombie fails to be able to put a peg in the proper hole of a child's toy, it becomes enraged, breaks its bindings, and attacks the scientists. And Isaac bails and leaves his little cronies to die. Because he's I a bad actually, guy. I liked this scene. Like, mm -hmm. even though he's, like, invented for the films more or less, and, like, is an amalgamation of what Wesker should be and also William Birkin. Right. Um, Birkin. Um, he's played really well and just that scene as he just steps out of the glass and just stares blankly mm -hmm. just blankly at the other scientists begging to be let out as well and he just watches with no emotion as the zombie goes to town on him and then just like readjusts his, his clothing and, and moves on like it was actually like a well done scene and he performs the character of Isaacs really well um, I liked it. I liked that a lot. Yeah, I like him. He's okay. Yeah. He's, you know, I mean, up until 
later. When you, yeah. 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 Uh, but we'll get there. Um, so the... Uh, but it's a good job the zombie didn't get him, because, you know... Yeah. There would have been... The film would have been a lot less interesting had that zombie partaken in the dining of Isaacs. <laughs> the convoy makes camp. Chow time has bus driver guy handing out unlabeled cans, shaking them to identify their contents with eerie levels of accuracy. Claire gets an update on the gas supply, which doesn't sound good, and she then orders Carlos to set up their perimeter, which consists of spikes with cameras and motion sensors monitored from inside one of the vehicles, um, where they are also continually broadcasting uh, for anyone, any survivors who might want to join the convoy. Uh, Alice has also made camp and is reading the journal she found at the gas station, which, uh, again, points out that the town in Alaska might be a zombie-free place to hang. Uh, meanwhile, Isaacs activates Alice Clone 87. 87! While real sleeping, yeah. Alice is having a nightmare about all the bad shit that's happened to her. And as she dreams, rocks float around her because, remember, she manifested psychic powers in the last ten minutes of the prior movie. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten that she'd done that in, uh... Yeah. Before? Like, yeah. so I was just watching this thinking, oh, she's magic now. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Like, yeah. I didn't even question... I hardly question... I, I, I did I did question it, but I, I barely questioned it. I was like, what? Oh, okay, she's magic now. Fair enough. You would have had no idea that she had developed this had you not watched Resident Evil Apocalypse to completion. Yeah. But there it is. Um, there it is. And uh, she wakes up with a start in the rock's fall. And one of the... And like, one of these is like a fucking boulder. And it lands on her motorcycle. So it breaks her motorcycle. And meanwhile, in the land of Umbrella, Isaac's computer tells him that it's detected psionic activity nearby, which he assumes is Clone 87, until the White, cre white Queen corrects him, suggesting that the real Alice is close. Yeah, and again, you would have had to have seen the first film and seen the Red Queen to have understood why Dr. Isaacs is just randomly talking to some little girl who doesn't even look hologrammy this time. Well, she looks. She's just. I mean, they kind of mildly, put a white yeah. light on her. Yeah, she they put, make they put her look a little light, bit. A little mildly but it transparent. Just, if you didn't see the original film, you'd have just thought the way it's lit, like she's all a bit ethereal, you'd just think she was a fragment of uh, his imagination. Yeah, it's bad. It's like they they just fail to introduce the concepts to yeah. their to their audience. It's yeah. I, I I like it's it's not creating a sequential canon that you need to follow from the beginning. It's just lazy. The only reason you need to watch the other two films is because this one just can't be bothered. It, yeah. Setting things up properly. Um, the convoy is napping still when one of the residents uh, wakes up and is yelled at by a crow and this draws the attention of a whole lot of other crows that set off the motion detector and soon the whole area around the hotel and, and the convoy pretty much covered with crows uh, Claire and everyone wakes up and is like oh this is creepy and Claire radios to close all the windows and makes the observation that these crows must be infected also because of all that zombie flesh they've been eating and a noise is made in the bus that sets off the crows to attacking madly and yeah. 
It's this whole holy shit. They mention that the crows have been feasting on flesh, infected flesh, so their eyes are all weak. They got cataracts now, basically, and they're <laughs> angry about that. But they're yeah, so they can't see. But that's, that explains why you know they got the the sound thing and being quiet yeah. and reacting to that. Um, this whole scene pissed me off. There were so many crows. Uh-huh. Like there are so many crows, and most of them are content to just flap in the air, and then like a couple come down to attack. And all I'm doing is thinking while there's a dude on a flamethrower spraying at crows, why are the other crows doing nothing? I mean... I, I mean, the the film reason is because if all those crows came down, no one was getting out of there alive. No. But I'd have... But they didn't want to have less crows because that's not as impressive. So they went with more crows who do nothing, which just makes the crows look stupid. Yes. I'm just saying, if I was a zombie crow, and that's, and that's I'd a, have made sure everyone was to, like p- putting in the effort. And that's like, the no thing, one else is, gets to eat these people if we're not all pulling our fucking crow weight. Well, this is supposed to be the big like action set piece, really. I mean, in it's a lot of last, ways. It's this, the last big action set piece in the film. It, yeah. So, it, it really, like... They do it's some... only... Like, yeah. there are some other, like, there are some big explosive set pieces, and there are some, like, fights. Yeah. But this is the one, like, big... This is the chaos moment, yeah. Yeah. And it's fairly early in the film, and it's rubbish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're... The bus, uh, the, the ambulance gets stuck in the sand, and so LJ and, uh... And uh, Betty, I think her name's Betty, Ashanti's character, have to, you know, like, uh, clean off their fluids later, I guess, and and make their way to the bus. And so they go hang out in the bus, and uh, but then the bus can't move because it's stuck too, so a van is brought around to unload people out of the back of the bus, and people are kind of having problems with crows. Like, some people die. Um, yeah, yeah, people die, and I couldn't tell whether any of them were important No, 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 nobody important dies. Nobody important dies here until what Betty. To the dude, what happened to the dude who was shaking tin cans? Uh, and was able to tell what food was in the unmarked tin cans just from the way they sounded when he shook them? I think he goes uh, later, but I don't remember how it yeah. happens. Because it's like, at one point I thought he was eaten by the crows, but then I was like, no, that wasn't him. Yeah, and no. then I just promptly forgot he existed. Yeah, they went to an effort to make to give him a character, character to give him character traits, and then, yeah, yeah, they do that with a couple of characters in this film all over. Just I mean, they just forgot about him, or seemingly yeah. forgot about him, or made it easy enough for me to forget about him that I did. Um, so if you don't know the games as well, Wesker's completely forgettable. I should mm-hmm. point out. Yeah. It, like the out I mean let's face it these films have always just been like Alice fan fiction. Like right. it's, it's it's designed to tell us how awesome she is as a character as a character as a that uh, Paul W.S. Anderson created, right? Yeah. Yes. Um so no one else matters, <laughs> but even then it's still a bit galling just how little like Claire Redfield like major major character Major Resident Evil in the game's character, here she is just here as a nod. Right. And has no personality and is just gotten rid of 
Um, not killed, but just shunted out of the story at the best possible convenience for the writers. Yeah, it's... It's a shame. Um, the, uh... Betty doesn't make it out of the bus. She, she's the one who dies in this uh, thing that, that, that we're supposed to care about, even though we've seen her twice. Um, and, and, you know, she's just LJ's love interest at this point. Yeah. But she closes the door, trapping herself in the bus with the birds that are finally breaking through the glass to sweep through for reasons. Like, she could have just run. They could have closed the van door and driven yeah, off. Like she, like there's, I don't she, think there's any reason for her to die. No, no. They just wanted... They wanted a, an heroic sacrifice moment in this scene and thought, well, how do we lead up to... How do we contrive a situation where a heroic sacrifice has meaning and impact and is an essence. Fuck it, let's just let's just have one. <laughs> let's just have someone sacrifice themselves for no particularly good reason. Yeah, so rather than looking noble and heroic, she just looks stupid. Uh, Carlos nearly gets roasted by a runaway flamethrower, which was not really helping kill birds anyway, it seems. Yeah. Um, well, most that's because most of the birds are several hundred feet up in the air doing fuck all. <laughs> but the flames... Get psychically contained by Alice, who just shows up, and then are expanded upward into the sky that's filled with crows, and it disintegrates them. Yeah, the crows who were really doing nothing wrong. No, they, they were doing nothing. And the ones on the ground that were causing trouble, the other ones were probably just regular crows. Yeah, but uh, they're all dead now. Yeah. They're all dead now. Fuck them. And nobody here should have eyebrows, I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the plus side... They've got a damn fucking shitload of crows that they can eat for dinner, and they've just been cooked. So she passes out, and Isaac's computer back at the Umbrella Lab cheerfully reports detecting another spike in psionic activity, and Isaac's orders it to triangulate its origin. Now, his yeah. second-in-command, uh, we'll call him Executive Douche. He has a name, but I don't know what it is, nor do it I care. Matter. I don't think they ever really say it. Um... Uh, he comes to his lab to bitch about Isaac sending men to the surface for an authorized zombie collection. And then Isaac shows him the zombies he's collected, which have all been treated with the Alice serum and become extra aggressive, you know, to the horror of the executive dude. And Isaac then shows, uh, as the, his first zombie trial guy kills Clone 87, and is like, hey, whose side are you on, executive dude? And at the convoy, Alice... Yeah, well, we should just point out that, like, we're really showing his, um... Isaac's is Isaac, uh, yeah, he's, character he's, development. Like he's losing his sort of interest in doing this for reasons of stopping the zombie plague. He's become obsessed with with Alice and everything. Yeah, and so he's what found... we're really seeing here is the subsiding of Isaac's. At the convoy, Alice comes to being stared at by Kmart, one of the survivors. I forgot she was called Kate. Her name's Kate because that's where they found her and she didn't like her other na her old name. Yeah, so she thought, how, <laughs> what, how bad was her birth name <laughs> that she considers Kmart an upgrade? I wonder if it started with a K. A <laughs> oh. I'm not saying that's what she... Cut, I'm cut saying... With a K. That's what her parents called her. Those are terrible parents. Yeah. Terrible parents. So, like, that's literally the only word, the only word I could think of where you would think, no, Kmart's a better name. <laughs> I mean, unless they called her Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> Ku Klux Catherine. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, Kmart's, 
It came out as an uptick. Well done. And the convoy has a funeral for those who didn't survive the crow attack. And Carlos introduces Alice to Claire Redfield. Um, because, hey, Carlos and uh, Alice are reunited. And Carlos asks Alice what happened to her and why she bailed. And she says, well, she left him and the others behind because Umbrella had been tracking her movement. And she wasn't, it wasn't safe for her to be with them. Basically, like, the most stock, stereotypical lone wolf reasoning that you can have. Oh, it's not safe to be around me. Yep. And, you know, but, you know, now it's not safe for her to be around them again. Because, yeah. you know, we immediately get a zoom out to an Umbrella sa- satellite in space. And all of this, you know, saving her friend shit has just put them back on Umbrella's radar, so to speak. Way to go. Uh, and I laughed... Every time it zoomed up and we saw the satellite. <laughs> it does it a because lot. Because the satellite panels, like, all have the umbrella logo, like, all <laughs> over it. And it just made me laugh every time. Like, everything else Umbrella satellite. does, it is completely covered yeah. with the umbrella logo. <laughs> I, like, I've never seen, like, a corporation have an ego. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Isaac's. Oh, wait, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm about to skip something here. Claire comes to Alice and tries to convince her to leave the convoy because the psychic powers scare the rest of the convoy. Um, and Isaacs goes to Wesker with the news that he thinks he's found Alice and asks to have her go picked up. Now, there's a 60-something percent chance of this. How? How many clones do they have on the loose that they've just lost track of that there is a possibility... At fucking all. Yeah. Well, again, this is Umbrella. Like, the <laughs> least competent villainous corporation in movies. So, th- th- of course, they have enough clones running around that there's only ever a 66% chance that the one they found is the real one. Uh, but Wesker really doesn't want... Like, he's sick of this shit. Yeah, he he's is. sick of this shit, and he doesn't want this to happen. And... Isaacs basically talks about how they're running on a limited time scale. He like they need to get her, and they don't want to risk not getting her. He's impatient. Well, he doesn't want them. To, he doesn't want her to get lost again. Doesn't want to get lost. He's very impatient. There is no such thing as the biting of Isaacs. Mm-hmm. He just can't wait. Wesker tells him they won't move until they're completely sure that it's Alice. Which yeah, of he's course... not siding with Isaac. <laughs> Alice talks with the with Claire and Carlos about the journal she found. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Suggests they What's all up? go to Alaska together. Claire doesn't want to give anyone false hope, but Carlos seems to think that any hope would be better than none. And Carlos takes it to the whole or Claire, sorry, Claire takes it to the whole group of survivors and they take a vote, and that results in a decision to go ahead and take the trip to Vegas. But with supplies low, the convoy leaders need to figure out how to get the fuel and supplies necessary to reach Alaska. Uh, Concluding that the only guaranteed place to get what they need is in Las Vegas, which has generally been considered too dangerous to loot because, you know, of the higher zombie concentration in populated areas. But they decide to go for it anyway. That doesn't make sense. It's all under the desert. There's no populate. It's all under the desert. Why haven't those zombies moved on? Well, why aren't they all buried by all the by by hundreds of feet of sand? I hate this film. 
Isaacs decides to subvert Wesker's authority by using samples of his voice to create an order to acquire Alice. And heads out by helicopter with a cargo container, tracking yep. the convoy as it drives on to Vegas. He's in the helicopter. This is the riding of Isaacs. Uh-huh. LJ's wound is getting worse as they pull into the uh, Vegas Strip and find that the strip is buried under sand without any gas in sight. But he remembers the location of some pumps in a, cons- in a casino basement where he lost a couple of grand before things went to shit. Now, while they, they move to fuel up the tanker, Alice goes to inspect this mysterious cargo container that's very obviously sitting in the middle of the strip. Then warns everybody to get back as it pops open and super pissed mechanic zombies come charging out. Yeah. Well, they, they are all dressed like car mechanics. Well, Umbrella put them all in jumpsuits, obviously, because they're test subjects. Because they did, but, but, <laughs> but why car mechanic jumpsuits? <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice any Umbrella logos on them. Which I found odd. Unless they want to have plausible deniability should someone find out that they released these zombies out into the wild. Yeah. Yeah. The the only explanation I can come up with is that these are the plausible deniability umbrella jumpsuits. Um, Gunfighting happens. Uh, Alice does some spinny slashy moves with her, you know, kukri knives that she stole from the bandits, so those things finally pay off, and uh, mostly everybody unimportant to the plot dies. Uh, Isaacs watches through Alice's eyes on a monitor and then gives the order to shut her down, and she does so, just sort of standing stock still on a balcony holding her kukri. Yeah, apparently she's like a robot. Well, they established that they could commu- they could send her orders and messages or something in some way something. at the very end of the last movie, just yeah, like something. her magic powers. Um... LJ turns into a zombie and attacks Kmart. Oh, that's what happens to him, okay. Yep, and Carlos intervenes and gets bit instead. Also, oddly... Oh, that's how Carlos got bit. <laughs> also, I <laughs> this think... Is, I was so tuning out at this well, point. Well, and I think he got bit... Like, he might have been bit in the upper arm, but I want to say he got bit in the same place LJ did. <laughs> it, just, it just feels right. Um, Alice somehow overcomes her programming... Yeah, they don't really explain it. And they remotely just, it's just fires the, sound, the sounds of I think it was Kmart. The sounds of Kmart in trouble. Uh, yeah, I guess because you know she made this really deep, emotional, emotionally resonant connection with this young girl that she talked to, probably a few hours before for the first time. That... Yeah, like they have about like five minutes of screen time together, but they have a deep emotional connection. Oh, uh, I think that's very generous. The five minutes of screen time. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Kmart might have five minutes of screen time total in the movie, uh, mm. but uh, yeah. So she, f- we get another one of those zooms out to the satellite, and then it goes into the satellite, and a chip gets fried. <laughs> like she's sending a signal up to it to disrupt it. And <laughs> <laughs> this all could have been established better. Oh, God. that's the problem. Oh, like, yeah. I forgot that the end of the last film, she was suddenly like could be controlled like a robot and all this shit. What I really needed was the reminding of Isaac that, <laughs> that this is what's going on with Alice. So she comes back online, finds the umbrella team. 
kills everyone but Isaacs, who escapes to the helicopter, but gets bitten by one of his super zombies in the process. The biting of Isaacs. Right. Alice decides to... That's the one I was sitting on from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, I, and that I, one was really good. I really undermined my best one <laughs> right. um, With all by these... doing it so much. Uh, Alice uh, lets, lets Isaacs get away. Um, and decides that she'll use the computers to just track the helicopter. As the supplies they need, or no, no I think she pitches it as they're going to use the helicopter to go to uh, Alaska now. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I think I missed that the, the first time, or, well, the it's, second it's, time I watched it. The first time I watched this, I had fallen asleep by this point. Yeah, so. it's literally like one throwaway line that they're going to steal a helicopter. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I, I would think, wouldn't it make more sense to assume that the place that the helicopter is coming from is going to have equipment and that's why you'd go as much as anything because they they didn't really care i think they just wanted to get alice to to the facility yeah i think they wanted to end the movie um executive asshole basically she's you know getting they needed to get her and isaacs in the same room again yes so they sent her to the residings of isaacs executive douche finds isaacs in his lab having injected himself with a whole lot of the serum that he's been making he's under house arrest he's been uh, bound to his quarters by umbrella and i'm gonna leave that one there is it the confining of isaacs I was gonna say the binding of isaacs oh 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 i can see i guess yeah i Oh, I get it now! Because he's under house arrest. I, oh, that's what you've been doing. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was something completely different. Oh. I thought this was about Isaac Hayes. No. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, because, I, I mean, you know, I, I just assumed that you were, you were talking about the rich history of Isaac Hayes, funk performer and Scientologist. But this, this makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> I don't know. Um, having found... Oh, okay. Oh, no. We're, we got yeah, Executive Douche and, and Isaacs. That's where we were. Uh, Executive Douche... Uh, uh, Isaacs explains that this is making the infection stronger to the kind of continued horror of the executive who just says, like, you know what? Uh, I'm uh, I'm doing an executive order mutiny thing here. And I loved I, I loved this That there's a bit. company protocol for liquidation of employees. Well, it yes. Was, the bit I liked was that, you know, he comes in and he's like, you know, we've decided you're going to be liquidated. And we all but know it's what under, that means but it's in a under movie the when a corporation says liquidated. But it's and under Isaac's the corporate all... charter and all that shit. Like, he's got this rundown of, like, official corporate policy that culminates in the decision to liquidate. And yeah, that's what's yeah. so great about it, because that's an, well, that's, that's an umbrella corporation thing to do. It's such an evil company. They have protocol that you follow in order to murder someone. Um, but, but what I loved about it was he was doing the usual corporate, like movie corporate thing of, you're going to be liquidated, I am alluding to things. And then just says, I'll oh, just die. Yeah, just shoot like, him. I love the, it's totally unceremonious just, in the actual killing or a shooting just, of him. Just shrugs, just, I'll oh, just die, pulls out a gun and shoots Isaacs. It was such a, like, for a film that was boring and not very well made... That was a very well shot, well acted, well paced moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
Uh, let's see. So, uh, so Isaac doesn't die. Isaac's and Isaac's Isaac falls over. Yeah, Isaac falls over, but he doesn't actually die. Instead, he gets tentacle hand. Yep. And uh, he uses that to kill the uh, executive douche and the uh, other guards. More specifically, he shoots three tentacles out of his hand, two of which go in the eyes of the executive. The blinding of Isaac's. I'm done. <laughs> All right. That was a good run, actually. I am impressed. I, I am. Uh, having found the umbrella exe- uh, umbrella facility where they plan to steal the helicopter, Alice tries to reassure Carlos that they'll be able to get the antidote for him. But he says he knows it's already too late. And he'll make a noble sacrifice to get them past the zombies through the fence by driving the tanker truck in. Uh, he gets about halfway through the herd. It overturns and the zombies are on him. So he gets ready to blow up the dynamite in the passenger seat and finds a cigarette that LJ had hidden behind the seat. Calling back to that moment where we were introduced to all of the characters that we've had such a, a long and deep relationship yeah. with. It was supposed to be a joint, wasn't it? Uh, it might have been a joint. I think it's supposed to be a joint, and that's why um, Carlos was all like, oh, you son of a bitch, when he found it. And, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know either way. Uh, I think the, the no, idea they did, is... They like, did ask he, LJ if specifically die. if he had any of the other... And that the implication was that the other was marijuana. Yeah, so I think that's what it all was. And he's like, "Well, if I'm gonna die, I might as well, might as well go spark up this doobie." Yeah, on the old on the old ganj. Um, smoke them funny cigarettes. And so he, uh, it gives him one last moment to give impressionable kids the important message that smoking is cool. Uh, and then it blows up and takes out enough of the zombies that it's possible for the rest of the people to get to the helicopter. No. Yeah. Alice... And again, oddly enough, I kind of liked the, the scene. Yeah, no, it was that was a good shot of it, it pulling back and blowing up, and that was yeah. well managed. Uh, of the uh, pullback camera stuff that they do in this film, that's the best executed, if not the most entertaining. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's... Yeah, I think that's right. Um, Alice puts Claire Kmart and the few remaining survivors on the helicopter and sends them on their way because Claire apparently knows how to pilot a helicopter. So that, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, she then moves to deal with the umbrella facility and walking in discovers the mass grave full of her clones. Top seven thing you didn't. I'm bored of that already. Okay. Um, I'm not even doing all seven. I'm just skipping to number six now. Um, one of them was one I already did, um, about how Apocalypse was going to be called Nemesis. Um, mm. But this one, David Boreanaz was going to be in the first film. He was going to play Matt Addison, that character we all know and love, oh. um, but backed, backed out to do Angel instead. So that's a fact. A, good move. B, I don't know. I might have felt he was too old for that. Well, there you go. Ugh. can't believe David Bones Boreanaz. is still on. Uh can't believe, can't believe you still got me blocked on Twitter. <laughs> that I can believe. Um, I, I, I deserve. That. <laughs> uh, so she, uh, this is upsetting to her, finding all these clones of her, you know, being dead and all. And she goes into the shack and very easily happens upon the secret floor button that calls the elevator. Now, okay, I, I, I acknowledging that this base is in an incredibly remote location in Death Valley. 
I suppose it doesn't need to hide how you access the elevator into the secret base that desperately, that badly. You know, like, you don't have to go to a lot of effort with some complicated yeah. procedure for opening it. But you would think it would be more complicated than walking up to the table that's in the middle of the fucking room. <laughs> well, again, I mean, we're talking about a company that paints logos on things that are in space that no one will ever see. Like, you go to the effort to build the big underground base and the dummy shack above it. But this is how the elevator door opens. Fucking assholes. Uh, this, the place is a wreck. There's blood everywhere, no sign of anybody alive. And Alice skulks around for a while until the White Queen shows up and explains that Isaacs did this, having mutated from the effects of the bite of the super zombies he'd made and what he'd been working on in the first... Uh, uh, and the, the, the serum that he'd been making from the blood of Alice and so forth. Yeah. And He basically, he he's a tyrant. He, he, he's the tyrant from the first Resident Evil game, yeah, more or less. pretty much. Um, now, Alice uh, is, is also informed that the cure for the biohazard is possible... His research was correct. I don't know why the White Queen knows this. But uh, the the cure could be synthesized by Alice in this facility because she's the real deal and not an inferior clone. But that Isaacs will need to be dealt with first. Um, Alice... Never really explained why. No, not so much. He He's just evil now. Like I mean, he was evil before, but now he's also homicidal. Uh, Alice heads into Isaac's lab and finds one of her clones floating in this little clone bubble thing. And Isaac's now mutated into a tyrant, attacks Alice. She wounds him with a knife and he flees, watching his wound heal. Um, the clone Alice comes out of her bubble in the process and Alice catches it and watches herself uh, seemingly die in her own arms before going on to hunt Isaac's. Um, yeah. And oddly enough doesn't spend the next three hours just screaming like anyone would have <laughs> yes. seen a clone of themselves alive or dead uh like you'd just scream but, forever but she does find isaacs and fighting happens and uh yeah, weird psychic battles where like she well, is like blasting him yeah. and he's roaring back at her alice gets a good hit in the chest but then has to watch the wound heal up and then he grabs her with tentacles and she kicks up her knife off the floor and cuts the ends off and then the next time he tries the same move she psychically pushes him through a few walls and then he gets up just walks back and then yells and it's a similar kind of like what is going on yeah, here yeah like apparently the the mutating T-Virus also gives you a sonic scream, like your Banshee from the X-Men. <laughs> uh, and this, this scream pushes Alice back into the laser trap hall. Oh, God. Um, it's all come full circle, isn't it? And then we see that, uh-oh, clone Alice is not actually dead. And Isaacs declares himself the future, you know, having thought that he, is, you know, he was obsessed with Alice and thought she was the next step in human evolution. But he says that... It's him instead. Alex calls him an or Alice calls him an asshole, and the laser grid fires up and slices through Isaac's. Stops yeah. right. Oh, I've got another one. Mm -hmm. The dividing of Isaac. Okay, there you go. That was good. Go. That was good. Uh, it stops before it reaches, reaches Alice because, of course, it had been turned on by what I assume is Alice Clone eighty eight. Yeah, <laughs> who also is not screaming. Also not screaming. Also kind of comfortable with everything going on in a strange way. Um, 
The Umbrella Board meets and discusses the loss of the North American Umbrella Branch and how their plans will now continue under Wesker's personal supervision. Alice pops into their little hologram display to say that she's coming for them and that she'll be bringing friends. Which means all the clones of herself that she's getting got sitting here in this facility and we get one last slow backing pan camera shot delivering what I can only assume is Paul W.S. Anderson's personal wet dream of like hundreds of clone Milojoviches. Yeah, basically. All of them naked. Yep. All of them in a bubble that he can keep them there forever. Um, that sounds like his fantasy um and that's it that's that's it that's, that's how the, the movie film. ends none of them screaming none of them shot like none of them go mad from the revelation no. that, that they're all clones of each and other if, i would if you wait around uh, now now the credits start with a really really not good cover of the uh jefferson airplane song white rabbit mm-hmm. really bad really bad it's more of that symbolism in it mm-hmm. yeah yeah fuck them Alice in Blunderland. Um, and then if you stick around long enough to the very end of the credits, you get to hear uh, Alice say the line about the asshole again, I think. I think that's the line that they what? repeat. Yeah. As See, I turned it off immediately. Appears. As well you should have. But that's what they, cho- they chose to... I think that's the one they chose, yeah. If like, critters ended with the critters laughing. Like, that, that was at least yeah. a, 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 a punctuation on the... That just sounds like the move is insulting you for sticking around. What? At that point, you are the asshole. I do feel like the asshole. Yeah. I feel like an asshole for, for watching it, let alone, you know, sticking towards the end of the... It's, it's a film for assholes. Well, let's do the wrap-up and talk about what let's a do film the is for assholes. So, Conrad, did you like Resident Evil Extinction or not? I'm almost entirely ambivalent about this movie. Yeah. Um, the action sequences that are in it aren't exciting enough to make up for the fact that the plot is completely alienating to anyone who isn't familiar with the first two films. Um, the the acting is is all right. It's it's pretty standard for you know the expectation. Uh, the characters are not developed well they uh they go to they're all very stuck they go to they go incredibly stuck they go to some effort to say hey this is a person and here is a trait about them and now we're going to kill them or forget they exist um and so there's a bit of wasted time it's uh it is a mishmash of other better zombie movie concepts yeah, well, they shamelessly... I'm sure they'd call them homages. I'm sure they, they would. they shamelessly rip off Day of the Dead in several areas. You know, they have the bub moment. They try and be subversive with it. With, oh, well, it rebels and attacks. But it's like... It's, it's really no different from underground militant... It's a corporation, but it's militant. Underground militant facility. A doctor working to turn a zombie, like, regain its memories. Like, it's... Except, unlike Day of the Dead, which kind of worked with time and pacing and everything, and suggested that this was a slow process, because this is a... an Anderson written movie and a Resident Evil movie, it's just an injection. Well, I think... Injections do everything in this this fucking series. I think part of it is, like, the 
Umbrella Corporation is, is a perfectly fine analog for what the military represented in Day of the Dead. Because I, I think that comes from a time when we thought the military did research on its own. Which it doesn't. It has corporations yeah. do that. You know, it has contractors. Um, it wouldn't be the army developing this stuff. It would be Booz Allen. Or it would be uh, uh, Umbrella. So... Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's not it's the same and so we have a little more modern awareness of how that stuff works I think than than most people might have been aware of in the eighties. Um, so it's it's the same difference. Yeah. It's uh, no. The, I'm hoping that the next film doesn't have a whole lot of shit in it that I will have to have remembered this film to understand. Yeah. Um. I. From what I remember, because I've not seen all of the next one, but I have seen, I want to say, like, the last half, and I could pick it up fairly easily. Um, but basically, the next film is just a lot of 3D effects, because it was shot in 3D, so there's just a lot of shit being thrown towards the camera, and you're just sitting there waiting for Wesker, who has changed for the better in the next one. Um, But, you know, we'll talk about that at some point in the future. Uh, For right now, yeah, Resident Evil, is it called Extinction? It's Extinction, yeah. Yeah, I can't even fucking remember now. Um, Rubbish. It's derivative. It's not worth anyone's time, yeah. No. Derivative, bland, no characters, no character. And not bad enough in the ways that would make it entertaining. Like No, no. Uh, just if Wesker hammed it a bit, I'd have had something to work with there. I'd have felt better about it. Yeah, like all of the antagonism comes from Isaacs, who is good. Yeah, he's, um, he's I, all right. I like the yeah. actor. I like the actor. I'm, I forget his name. I think I think Glenn is somewhere in his name. But his um, motivations are muddy. Uh, yeah. and, and they, if, if he's supposed to like be going crazy and that's why he's doing, they don't convey that effectively enough. That's it. We, we never tell if he really wants to cure things, if he's got the, if he's got a thing for Alice or, or if he, yep. you know, is just interested in weaponizing zombies and all this stuff. We never know. And some ambiguity in a character is fine if you get a sense that the ambiguity is on purpose and not because they just threw a bunch of random stock motivations onto a character to create a villain on the cheap. Right. Yeah. And that's the sense I get with, with Isaacs is they just gave him all of the, all of the villain scientist motivations that are in the stereotype book. Yep, I think that's a... He is part obsessive, part visionary, part, like, evolutionary propagator, part corporate lackey. Like, like just part every bad scientist in a film. But not, uh, you know, he's not... Uh, the sum of his parts aren't particularly impressive, ultimately. No. So, yeah. Yeah. Don't waste your time if you haven't watched it. That's pretty much it. That's it. And what are we doing next time, Jim? It's, uh, we've already announced it, but... Yeah, yeah, people already, should already know, but the next movie we are doing is, and this is what I'm personally looking forward to, because I can't wait to read your rundown of, well, hear your, your rundown of this one. Um, although I want to, I want to just, 
I want to do a rundown of the, the last five minutes. Okay. Um, which are the best five minutes in a video game licensed movie. That's a bold and statement, not, sir. Not, yeah, not for ironic reasons, not for funny reasons. It is brilliant. And the rest of the film is hilarious dog shit. <laughs> uh, and and uh, it is Silent Hill Revelations, I think. I believe Could be so. Revelation. It's, it's Revelation or Revelations. I think it's Revelations. Um, or to give it its full title, uh, as it had at the time, although they don't call it this now because it the fad stopped being interesting. Uh, Silent Hill Revelations 3D. Ooh. Oh, yes. Shit's being thrown at the camera. Damn it. I don't, um, I don't have a 3D TV. Oh, dear. I, you know, I... I know everybody's I got one, but I just I haven't yeah. gotten around to. I still do. I have used it once for three D, once to play Dynasty Warriors for five minutes and go, oh, oh, it's in three D a bit, and then I took the glasses off and never bothered again. Well, I mean, I know everybody bought three D TVs um, when the 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 craze first launched, and they're you know widely available now and and affordable well, and super cheap. Well, they're cheap now because yeah. they're all pushing the the four K UHD stuff now. <laughs> That's the new future for the next five minutes. Uh, all right. But yes, let's Silent wrap it Hill up. Revelations. Um, thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, you can check out more of our podcasting. We do another podcast together called Fist Shark Marketing, and that's available at fistshark.com. That's an improv comedy show with a premise. And if you want to know the premise, you'll have to listen to an episode and find out. Or read about it somewhere and you can check out more of conrad he's on twitter at conrad zimmerman and his youtube channel conrad zimmerman mm -hmm. that it's his name it's really not hard to find his stuff people yeah, come on it's pretty easy and yep uh, he is now working actually within video games which is exciting we mentioned at the beginning yeah uh, please please check dead. out the kickstarter if you're into game stuff it's a kind of cool strategy rpg thing it should be a lot of fun and uh we're hoping it's a you know, thing we get to make. Well, yeah. Good luck with that. Thank you. And we will see you next time for Silent Hill Revelations 3D. Mm -hmm. I think this is the first appearance of Malcolm McDowell we'll have on the oh, show as well. Oh, always a treat. Always oh, a Malcolm's treat. Malcolm's in it. You are not prepared. <laughs> Let's just say he puts on his mesh tank top. Oh! Oh, man. And not, not, not in the way you're thinking. It's just in an awkward, I can see Malcolm McDowell's tit kind of That's way. That's so delightful. <laughs> it's a lot to look forward to. I'm so excited for the next one. Um, we'll see you next time, though, because we've got to go now and do things. I need a poo. Uh, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.